<laughs> okay, let's try this again. Yeah, let's try this again. Welcome. Good morning. It's your daily game face with Dr. Kim Lannon, myself, and Lou Blasey. I have no idea if anyone can hear us. Heather, if you can hear me, because I know. Oh, she says I can hear you now. Yay! Yeah. Okay. Sorry about that to everyone. We've had some minor technical difficulties this morning. Well, everyone can relate to this. We had a last second Windows update and it screwed up all the audio. I know. So we had some, it wasn't yeah. you. It was a Windows. Was no, but it? I know it's not, it wasn't. Was it you? Was it, it, was, it was you? It could have been me. No, okay. no, it wasn't me. Anyway, well, we're back up and running and I'm going to start over. <laughs> <laughs> Um, let's go really How quick. is the big cat really walkabout? It's freezing in the room. The bathroom's warmer than the, the room in here. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. <laughs> it's the normal. Anyway, so let's get back to what I was talking about. So I was saying that, how was your weekend? You said it was good. And then I said, I was in Tampa mm -hmm. because I was working. Um, I was there for, I work for the big cat rescue. I um, am the compassion support resource, the psychologist that provides the services for the compassion support and the motivation and morale boosting for the big cat rescue staff. Oh, okay. And, um, but I was there for the wildcat walkabout It's the 30th anniversary of big cat rescue and what the wildcat walkabout, cause you asked me what it was. Mm -hmm. Um, it's a, it is an all day event that it's actually two days, but it's the actual walkabout is an all day event where, um, invite only this year, just, just due to public because of COVID and because of Tiger King being what it was. Yeah. Uh, we we vetted out people to make sure that people that came on property were safe mm -hmm. um, and not disturbing. Um, but uh, it's they walk around free and get, if not free, like money, but they walk around free and easy to take pictures and enjoy without having to have a specific tour to mm -hmm. go from cat to cat to cat and watch and interact and ask questions of all of us. So I was posted at the corner of Serval Row. So I had Zukari, the seven-year-old Serval that we mm -hmm. rescued, and he was my bud for the day. And then across from me, I had Duchess, the tiger, who was in heat. Oh, <laughs> so God. she was having a very good time over in yeah. vacation rotation. And then on the other side of me was Tiger Kali. Um, and she was happy with me the first hour and then I was boring to her because I didn't have any treats to give her or anything to entertain her so she went and slept in her den until people came around just, do they interact you what do they interact with people visitors? oh well yeah all the all the cats interact you just can't touch them so there's yeah, no, no touching but I mean they they recognize them come up and oh yeah see they what's come going up on and they chuff and they moo and yeah. tigers moo moo they moo they <laughs> make a roar oh. <laughs> and then they chuff. They do these cute yeah. little chuffs, and that's how they talk to you. And they're very connected. So, um, but the big cat rescue has um, caracals, and it has a lovely uh, jaguar, Manny, who has adenocarcinoma, who was just recently diagnosed with that, and he had it fully taken out two weeks ago, and had clear, clean margins. Oh, and he's a little bit older. He came from a, we rescued him from a zoo many years ago. Um, and then we have. A variety of servals. That's why I was on Serval Row because my whole line of of enclosures I was on was serval after serval that we've rescued yeah. from people that you know purchased them and realized that wow, that's <laughs> not a house cat. Yep. Because they're they need a lot of room, and servals are um, not a domestic cat. They yeah. are a very large, jumping, fast, wild animal, um, and they will likely destroy your house and pee all over it. I'm just saying. Um, there are people who have to buy them to figure that out? People buy them and then realize after they've 
gotten past kitten size that they're huge. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. And then you have like a mini lot of mini tiger <laughs> living in your house. It's yeah. a little bit thinner, but, Oof. but they're beautiful. Yeah. Um, Justin Bieber owns two of them. I was going to say, this sounds like an LA type of thing. And, um, mm -hmm. and, um, because it's still legal in some places for you to own them and buy them and so on. And, um, Justin Bieber has them Has two of and them. When Justin Bieber and his current wife got them, I was less than pleased. So I made sure that they knew. Yeah. I can <laughs> we, imagine. We may or may not have had a little back and forth about that. Really? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But he's had them for a long time. And then one disappeared and got out and whatever. But he got, got out. See, that's a whole new neighborhood problem. What did the HOA have to say about that? Well, so interesting <laughs> because last year, um, a cat, a, a serval that was in Lincoln, Massachusetts, was, we'll say, abandoned, released, didn't want, it probably got too much for the owners, whatever. But that cat ended up at Wildcat Sanctuary up in sandstone minnesota and i just recently saw that cat mm -hmm. up in sandstone minnesota at the gala event that i went up to there because i support wildcat sanctuary and what they do as well the whole point of these sanctuaries that are specific the ones i go to and and support or work at um is because they are they are pro they're pro pro no buying breeding trading touching or selling of any exotic animal, particularly mm -hmm. exotic cats and big cats. And then um, they are into rescuing and helping to make sure that um, we're getting the big, the big cat public safety act passed so that the public is safe from getting mauled and attacked by these animals if they get out or yeah. if someone illegally owns them or legally owns them and doesn't do the right thing by them and also so it's a protection of the animals and people often will say well, why can't you just let them back out in the wild well unfortunately <laughs> lions and tigers don't live in the united states yeah. and and most of these like savannah cats and servals and all these they're they're not from here um they're and they're interbred so there's a mixture and you can't just let them out into the wild no. and you can't fly them back over to someplace like yeah. india or russia or someplace like that so that's you know one of those things but but wildcat sanctuary up in minnesota is about to get four um lion cubs that were rescued from ukraine when they were under siege a while back and they're these little babies and they're getting hand fed now so there is hand feeding going on because they're babies and they don't have moms um, and they're going to be shipped on over. It's a big process because they're they're hauled up and I believe in Poland right now, awaiting the transfer to Minnesota. But were um, these cubs native or, or are, they, are they native to the Ukraine or was this a they, zoo or something? They were native to Russia and then, but they were living in a zoo. Oh, okay. And they were rescued because of the bombings and the war between Russia, Russia has and lions. Ukraine. I didn't know Russia so, had lions. So those are going up to Minnesota. Yeah. Um, we have lots of, uh, at Big Cat, we have lots of bobcats and because um, we're a bobcat rehab and release. So we get bobcats in that are either abandoned by mom or mom is killed or a hunter finds them and, you know, or they've been hit by a car or, some, you know, something's happened. So we try to rehab and release them. And if they can't, then the Florida Wildlife Commission comes in and deems them suitable to live their forever lives in Big Cat. So um, I, br I brought some animals to rehab. 
You what? I brought some wild animals to rehab in my past, but never a bobcat. What? You wouldn't even just pick up the bobcat, put it in the truck. Well, and it's, you can't just pick <laughs> up a bobcat. There's a there's a netting process to happen? the bobcat. The bobcat yeah. retrieval. It's yeah. not just a simple like, oh, well, let's pick up a kitty. <laughs> it doesn't work like that. Yeah. I mean, if it's a kitten, it's a little different, but yeah. it usually involves nettings and squeeze cages just to keep them contained a little bit. <laughs> So, so they call somebody and say there's an injured bobcat. Yeah, people okay. usually call like from all like in Florida they call from all over because Carol Baskin's place is the main place yeah. to go to. So the staff will drive hours to go find or set up, you know, the traps to get the cat or capture the cat right then and there because it's just sitting there because it's injured or something. You know, sometimes people do bring the cat um, or fit or the um, local authorities you know, in Pinellas County or Hillsborough County will bring them on over. But, but by and large, we have many big tigers and we have Canadian lynx and, you know, and our, our lovely cougars passed away last year. Um, three brothers and two brothers, sister, they all passed away. All last year. Yeah. How many cats, how many cats do you have in Tampa? Um, big cat rescue now has around 50 roughly. Wow. And it used to have over a hundred and something wildcat sanctuary up in, um, Minnesota is adding and putting more and more in, and they have over a hundred um, wow. big, big cats. And they have they have a, they have a small. I think they have nineteen or twenty like little Savannah and Bengals. But then everything else is they took in Joe Exotics when that went under and defunct. Then Carol Baskin actually got the property and closed him down, and all the lions and tigers and all the big cats were then filtered out into sanctuaries that were healthy and appropriate yeah. and tammy up in wildcat got them <laughs> so it's very it's very cool because it's a wonderful thing and it's not just i mean doing the big cat public safety act is 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 great for cats but it's it's really about exotic animals as well it, it protects from people breeding or or when you go to zoos for instance you have to be really mindful that a lot of times people do this conservation thing and i say that in air quotes they're conserving um but it's really they're breeding for just more inbreeding to have more inbreeding to have them stay in cage cages yeah. per se they're not cages most of the good zoos that are i say good loosely zoos that are really well run and accredited they have big enclosures they have i mean it's certainly not like being out in the wild but at least yeah they're doing that but they're breeding cheetahs and lions and tigers and when i was out in minneapolis i went to the zoo and they had three brand new cubs uh tiger cubs adorable but you know once they get to be a couple years old they'll put them to other zoos for yeah. display and breed them again i'm imagining and so that's that's not they're a good zoo but it's not what yeah. is optimal like we don't want to keep perpetuating that but there's only so many there's only five thousand tigers I'm approximately left in the whole world and most of them are in captivity here in the United States. Hmm. Wow. So it's kind of sad. Yeah. And people that keep thinking, Oh, there's white tigers. White tigers actually don't exist in real life in terms of natural. They are created and that's why they are lack of a better term. They're a hot mess because <laughs> they have tons of um, neurological problems. Yeah. They're always cross-eyed. They've always got digestion issues. There's, you know, they're, they're beautiful, but yeah. they're a hot mess. Yep. So anyway, but um, that's where I was this weekend. It was a lovely weekend. It was busy. I was crazy busy. Um, 
the airports are crazy busy are back they? filling up yeah. i'm glad i'm not traveling um anywhere during the holiday of <laughs> next week yeah because <laughs> i imagine? see it coming it's going to be quite something and of course there's a uh, hurricane nicole is coming into florida so if anyone's going to florida Orlando, Florida is shut down because in the next two days it's coming through. I was not in ta I was not there. I was in Tampa, so not on that side. But it's coming up the East Coast and going right across the side, like Ian did, but on yep. the other side. So I don't think it's going to be quite as bad. But if you're going to Florida, I think you're not getting in for the next couple of days because I think Orlando shut down from today till Monday. The airport, totally. For in terms of the airport. Yep. Oh, well. So if you're flying in, you probably want to fly into Tampa because you're not going to get into Miami or Fort Lauderdale or anything on the on the middle or east coast. Well, that'll mess things up. So that's going to yeah. put some people's plans down, especially because Thanksgiving's coming. Yep. Um, anyway, so now that we've caught up on that, hmm. and so a couple things. So I wanted to just go back and, and talk a little bit about that race through that I did last week on the spiritual wellness yes. piece. Because at the end, I was like, okay, we did all this parapsychology stuff, yep. but people really wanted to talk about spiritual wellness and the components of it. And I had given them seven components. And the first one was, well, first of all, what was spiritual wellness? And I defined it as um, it involves our values, our beliefs, and our purpose, and how it can be achieved both physically and mentally. So when you think of spiritual wellness, we designate it out as different than religious wellness. Yeah. That doesn't mean that if you're religious, that can't be your spiritual wellness. But for many people, um, either they're, re they're recovering you know, people joke, they're recovering Catholics, they're recovering yeah. Jewish people, they're re whatever their religion is that feel they feel has done them wrong. Um, they go into more of a spirituality base. And so that's where a lot of my holistic practice comes from is that, you know, finding something that's greater than yourself, but sometimes that greater self is actually within you mm -hmm. and to really search for it. And so these are the tools to um, explore your spiritual core. So the number one thing that I promote for spiritual wellness is exploring your spiritual core. And we did talk about that a little bit at the end last week about what does that mean? What does that look like? And then your friend texted in about like the soul Yeah. about, do we have a soul and is it a structure and you know, where do you find it? And is it at the seat of your soul? Um, so your core belief system, the, the value system that you grow up with that, you know, good, bad, right, wrong, healthy, unhealthy, whatever that is, that's really part of your spiritual wellness center. And when that's off kilter, and the way I explain it to clients a lot of times is when it's like a bike wheel that is sort of lopsided and it gives that little shimmy shake because yeah. something's off. That's like your spiritual wellness can be, you can measure it that way, that there's something a little off with your core, or it could be a lot of negative self-talk. It could have a yeah. lot of narrative that is about the world is against me. Um, nobody likes me or over-personalizing things that just have no over-personalization, but you read them that way because you're taught that. You're taught to take things personally or to feel guilty. So if there's a lot of negativity, your personal, um, your, your seat of your soul or the seat of your core is really filled up with a lot of that kind mm -hmm. of stuff. Um, going back to the metaphor that I think we used with Michelle a long time ago is the sandbox. Yeah. And so furthering that sandbox metaphor is a lot of times people have a, a beautifully planted garden. And, and if you put sand that's strangling the garden because it's too much toxicity in it, your spiritual wellness yep. suffers. Um, so when you're trying to explore your spiritual core, um, you're basically asking questions to yourself of like, what is, what, who am I and what is my meaning? 
that's a hard question. Who am I? Yeah. And what, and what is my meaning? Um, you know, because it's like, what's your why? People often say, well, because I want to make a lot of money. That's not what your why is. Why do you want to make a lot of money is the answer to, you know, you want to make right. a lot of money because you want financial freedom. You want to be able to travel. You want all these things. But if you don't constantly be doing a check-in on your core, and you can call it whatever core you want, but that's really, you know, where am I going? What am I doing? How am I getting there on a, on a daily or a weekly? People get too broad and they start thinking, you know, the big out outcome go away down the line instead of like, what am I doing today? Yeah. What am I doing in the next couple of days? What am I doing next week? Um, well, this whole perspective can change as you age, right? Right. Yeah. So it's best not to get too far out. Well, yeah. The, and perspective when you're doing broad is very different than when you're like focused on something that's more manageable and tangible right in the moment. So, and if I heard you right, right. That we're just staying like in the moment and staying in the here and now. More or less, help. you talked about people extending that uh, who I am and what's my purpose yeah. to, and you know, end of life ultimate. And oftentimes right. that answer changes as you age. I mean, right. as you get gain experience, as you get, you become a parent, things change. Exactly. Yeah. Well, in the more experience base you have, and I have a client that she and I've talked about this for years is, one of my big things was she was not big on her experience base, but she wanted all these things. And I kept saying to her, we have to gradually increase your experience base of, of life events, life things, because, you know, whether it was food, access to different things or travel or everything was fear-based, like don't try new food, don't try yeah. new places, don't go anywhere, everything's dangerous. So she had a narrative that filled her core that was so... Um, it's like strangling it, the, the sandbox was strangling her because the sandbox that she was in was filled with people that were giving her all these negative messages about how life was a bad place. So her core was just empty, but <coughs> scary. Yeah. And that is how a lot of people live. They live in the fear of just not living for the moment because they're afraid of the moment because they don't trust the moment because they don't really know what's coming next. And they're always trying to predict yeah. forward. Cause they're focused on the negative potential focused on the bear in the back of the cave. Right. They're focused on the, the, the fear of the unknown and what's mm -hmm. coming and what they don't know and what yeah. could come or what they've been told that might come. Right. And so on and so forth. As so, opposed to what's possible and what's right. out there. Yeah, exactly. So when, so when you ask yourself like, um, who am I? What's my purpose? What do I value most? What's my why? These kinds of questions will lead you down a road where you think more in depth about yourself and, and you notice things about yourself to help you have more achievement. Many times people are in such a hurry in life, I think, that by the time I see them initially, they're not thinking about those kinds of things. They're, they know how to identify, I have this problem. And when I slow it down enough to break it down for them, they realize that it's not the problem. It's kind of like when we talk about isms, right? Yeah. It's the symptom of the problem. The problem is that you're not going depth enough to do the work to get to the core, to, to really um, embrace the who you are and what you're giving and offering to yourself and to the world around you. And so therefore, I mean, kids are notorious for exploring their spiritual core without even realizing they're doing that. They're always asking why hmm. they're always asking, what am I doing? And by the time you're a teenager, I, I can't, I think most teenagers I have talks with, you know, anywhere from 14, to 18 are 
always contemplating like, are we really real? I get that question. <laughs> are we really real? Are we remember when the Truman show came out with Jim Carrey, yeah. that, that movie. And it was like, he was in a bubble and it was really a, yep. a, an experiment. I get a lot of kids that talk about life in that way. And that's not new. That's been going on for the, all the time I've been doing my career, but everybody does that. I did that. I remember when I was a teenager, everyone I know, I think did that. It's just a natural consequence of as you age and start thinking about the world and become an abstract reasoner that you start thinking that. And as you grow and you learn and you change, it still continues to happen, but in just different ways. Yeah. So you just, you know, whether you're 50, 60, 70, 80, you're doing life review essentially all the time, wondering like, what, what is my sense of purpose? Because when you get developmentally to even, you know, your, your, your middle age years and you're going from like 50 on, then you're starting to think, okay, what, what have I done? And how can I do more if I feel I haven't? And how can that give me a sense of internal peace and solace and quiet and yet feel fulfilled? Yeah. But people are very much fulfilled on external. They think that I have to do all these things outside, which is why I say in these, in these things is you got to look within. And so you're looking for the spiritual core piece by that piece. But then the second piece I'd say is look for deeper meanings. Now that's not like being weird or strange by like looking into things for like, you know, metaphors, but look for different things like analyzing your patterns, um, being aware that you're, you have patterns that you've been doing forever. Are they helping you or are they hurting you? Are you contributing to other people's happiness in your patterns or not? Are other people taking away your happiness? Mm-hmm. Um, are people crossing your boundaries? Are you a good boundary setter yourself and people bypass you? Um, but looking for those deeper meanings. And I think that's hard for people. And that's why psychology is a, a great avenue to go down to explore this stuff is because you can deeply go into things. Um, and you have to, I, and I have to say, you have to have a really good, healthy relationship with a therapist and you have to have a, Um, therapist who's going to actually do work with you, not just tell you that, you know, it's time on the wall, it's over and, or um, I'm not a big fan of the therapist who, and there are many out there and I've bumped into them again recently that it's, they, they're apparently telling their clients things like it just takes time. I never say that to my clients because it's not true. No, it doesn't have to be. That's not true. That's actually a misleading statement. And it's, taking it's taking the ability for someone to have ownness and and control of their own outcomes by saying well it's just about taking time and my response to that is no it's about what you're doing active with action that's tangible that will make the thing change now that could be anything whether it's anxiety depression um you made your un, you know spouse unhappy some it's what you're doing with that time that really makes a difference. And that's a deeper meaning issue. You have to search deeply to find out what do I need to do to make that thing change or be better. Um, people don't like to do that because once they hear from someone, it takes time, then they go, oh, I'll just wait for time to pass. Yeah. Well, time passes. And in my experience, and maybe yours, time passes, nothing changes. No, it, it, Change comes from change. For me, it's perspective finding the perspective that makes sense to you and makes it clear 
a lot of a lot of therapists just do processing they just sit there and have you talk it out and thinking you'll come to your own conclusions and sometimes you have to be led right yeah and but you have to have a therapist that's willing to help you talk through that and not just say well you just have to understand it takes time so yeah and the other thing about that which because this has come up as well and and i'd be remiss to not talk about it because i think this gets in the way of spiritual well-being is be mindful of therapists that say to you things that take the control out of your own hands mm-hmm. um like that phrase i just gave you and also the phrases like and i think i've told you this before that, that i've had a colleague slash therapist that I know that has told people and has had conversations with me specifically about, you have to lower your quote, you have to lower your expectations. Um, So you lower your expectations of the person that you're talking about per se, right. Yeah. To allow for their bad behavior so that you don't get disappointed. And I don't ascribe to that. No one should lower their standards and expectations of correct behavior to allow for bad behavior so that you don't get disappointed. I think that's bad advice. So if someone's telling you that, I think that that's incorrect and that's not a healthy stance. You, if you can change your expectations and adjust them, yes, but to lower your expectations and in an effort to allow for bad behavior so it doesn't damage you, I think you're damaging yourself by doing that. You're doing yourself a disservice. And I think that's a disservice of, of anybody telling you that as a treater, whether they are someone with a certification or someone with a license, that's a, that's not a good, healthy thing to do. Yeah. But I, that you're right. That message isn't the correct message, but really it comes down to, and you can tell me if you think I'm wrong, it comes down to, you do have more, you have a lot of control over your spiritual well-being because it's about how you react to what's coming to you. Right. And it's not a matter of lowering expectations to the other person. It's just how much angst are you going to give that? Right. You know, being I as I've gotten older, I've gotten really stingy about what I get upset about. Right. Or what I pay attention to or what I crank on. You know? Right. And local, you know, our local groups and stuff like that. People right. going off this weekend about leaf blowers. Oh, God. So like, really? That's all you got to do with your life is worry Those about damn leaf blowers to the point where you're upset about it where you sit down and you write a post and then people are writing replies and going back and forth. And it's like, yeah, I understand it's not the greatest thing in the world, but really, how much time are we going to give to this? Well, I just I, keep going. <laughs> we, right. Well, it's it's how much energy are you expending. So then yeah. it goes to the looking at your own deeper meaning. How much energy are you are going to expend on that yeah. or on the messages of, of like lack of changing, moving your integrity around to fit someone else's needs to make their behavior. Okay. Yeah. Like that's just, no. doesn't make sense to me. No. And so, if, so if you have a therapist or you have a doctor out there or you have someone in your life telling you that I call BS, <laughs> <laughs> I call BS on that. Cause it's yeah. just, yeah, I think it's a, I, I think it sets a person up that's being told that, um, to say, you know, like hands up. I don't, I'm not, I don't have control of my steering wheel and that's okay. It's a, it's a free pass. No, no. Your basic statement that led into that was absolutely correct. This is not, a lot of this is not external. You, you have a ton of control over your spiritual well-being, And in fact, you have to recognize that control before you can, before you can help it. Right. Exactly. That's the basis of being good at it is understanding you have control. 
exactly over what your reaction is going right. to be and how and it's going to affect lack you. the knowledge that they have control over it because we've been socialized so many years and yep. you know to to not do that we just go through and we're either good you know good listeners and we just do what we're told or we're we go with the norm or we comply or yep. things like that it's not about it's not about letting the jerk off the hook it's about right. whether are you going to stew on it for seven days or you're just going to process it and, and move on right and it doesn't mean that you are letting it go by processing it and moving on it's about shifting it around to try to make sense of it and sometimes it's really hard there's scenarios where or not I letting mean, it get away of really other hard things. to move forward on it yeah and or not letting it get in the way of other things well, that right perhaps you have more to function important. despite yeah. the dysfunction it can yeah. still be there but it's gonna it might be you know that little pick in the back of your brain that's giving you a little anxiety but you're still gonna function whereas a lot of people will fold and sit in it i challenge people all the time when you you think back on your happiest moments yep your absolute happiest moments, time that comes up when I say, what was your best moment? I guarantee it was a place where you were just there, that everything else had dropped, all the work, all the phone calls, all the family, all the angst, everything else is going on. Right. You were at a beach in Maine or, you know, wherever you were, and you were just disconnected from everything and you were right there. Right. With those people. Those are your happiest moments. That's what you have to try to build more of. Right. You have to get into a mental space where you're present and not necessarily, you know, yeah, we all have money troubles, but I can't do anything about this till tomorrow. Why am I stewing on it tonight? But I think people get so uh, to that point. I think yes, and people get so caught up in what they don't have, what isn't going right, and then they get caught up and have a hard time flipping over into that actual ability to do that. You know, it's, they're capable of it, but they don't realize what it. They don't realize how to do it. You know, that's one of the reasons why people go to therapists, and then they get frustrated when a therapist doesn't help them it's not our job to tell you what to do ever it's our job to guide you and to keep you on a, a healthy path with a multitude of options yeah that's one of the things at least in my in my work mm. um but there's many therapists out there that are just active listeners and that's what they're there for and they don't there's no movement and yeah. there's no solution and so i encourage people to find people that will deeply think with you to get you to a place where you're you're thinking about things. You want to have people have their aha moments of, oh, I never thought of it that way, or I'm going to try that because that never occurred to me. Right. Um, if you're not having that happen to you in your own time with your own, either your self-help books or your own therapy, you know, it's probably time to have some movement yeah. there. It can um, be done with active listening though, in terms of, again, get you to talk about something. And if you, if you're processing correctly, they'll allow you to do it. But sometimes that's not all it takes. Sometimes right. you need a little, a, a little well, active hurting. Listening, yeah. Right. Active listening is a great skill. Yeah. But with active listening comes doing. Yeah. And people often think I listened, but I'm, and then they come back and say, like, well, what'd you do? Nothing. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. But you're, then you're still in the same spot. So the same thing's going to continue happening because you can listen all you want, but if you're not actually oh, doing something. I misconstrued. I thought you meant active listening on the part of the therapist. Where they were both, yeah, it's both. It's both. Yeah, having an active yes. So I'm, I am, but I'm talking about both. Like, yeah, an active listener. So people will, therapists will be an active listener. Sometimes they're only active listeners, and that's all they do. Yeah, there's no do. But then they also have people who are seeing them that are active listening, but then they don't do either. 
So if you get a combination, which often I think that happens a lot where you're having two active listeners, but then every week it's the same thing over and over again because there's no solution focused therapy, which is a technique used in, in good therapy, then there's no goal. There's no getting there. So I, uh, 95% of all my clients have a goal. And if they don't have a goal on a daily, they have a goal on a weekly or a monthly that we're at least checking in about like, you know, how's that going? And if it's not, then we, we tweak it because that's what we're talking about. We're not just talking about, so how do you feel? We I always ask people how they feel and how things going, you know, but it's, it's about, okay, what are we working on? Give me an example of a goal. Give you what? An example of a goal. Um, let's see. Um, I'm scanning because there's a because yeah. we always talk about very similar things. But because arriving I mean, at putting that goal into words is part, part of the so so processing. goal is to yeah. have so building a better relationship with one's children. Okay, right. Yep. So that's a goal. Yep. But that's a big goal. Yeah. So it has to be broken down into how do you do that? So this week, I so I have a client that this week I want you to spend an extra hour on a daily basis just alone with your kid. That's all every day. If you can fit in an extra hour, that'd be great. So I have a client that's working actively on that so that we can measure. Did they do it every day? Could they get it in? Did they get every day in, but only could get a half an hour? Like, but at least they're doing it because we're trying to build a better relationship. Whereas before two weeks ago, there was, they saw them on, you know, you know, it's like weekend warrior and then that's it kind of thing. Um, So that would be a goal. Mm -hmm. Um, or I want to lose weight. I always want, I want to lose weight. Well, then we break it down into, well, let's just put water in this week. Let's yeah. try to just change the fact that you've been drinking Coke instead of water. Let's do water this week and take out the Coke. Okay. Now we have to back it down to the smallest little increments. Okay, what is it that you need to do this week? Oh, you don't have a resume or you haven't updated your resume. So this is what you need to do. And I have yep. people go out, do their resume and come back. You know, or I'm in school and I'm trying to get a better grade in this class. And oftentimes I'll be a conduit and help help people. I'll say, it's okay if you want to send me your paper because I grade papers all the time. I will show you where to edit that to help you fix that um, because they have to start there because their better grade isn't coming because they're not the greatest writer. So it's, you know, serving as kind of a case management piece there, which it really is, you know, that kind of thing. So it's really about, oh, I want a better grade, but how do you get it? Well, that means you have to be a better writer in this class or you have to have better study skills or you have to have, so you're finding solutions because it's like a psychosocial model in that way. Mm -hmm. So you're doing psychological, social integration of like some kind of exposure therapy to actual real-time stuff of, you know, I'm not good at being in social situations. You know, a lot of times back way back 15, 20 years ago, when I was working with the the VA, we would do like coffee time where people would get together and we would therapeutically um, just do a coffee chat to get people comfortable enough to chat with each other yeah. over doing something that wasn't sitting in a room one-to-one so that it felt like, okay, we could do this or going out for long walks with a group of people to, to have a different way of expressing oneself. And that's the, okay. So that would be the next piece of spiritual wellness is getting out and, and, and expressing yourself. 
people don't do that necessarily verbally. So you can do that in a lot of ways. Very often it's right in journals and all that stuff. And people hate that and people love it. Yeah. So it depends on you. But there's other ways to express yourself. Getting out into nature. Nature and communing with nature is really important. Even if it's just sitting out on your back deck and getting some sun for five minutes, that is getting out. Or mm -hmm. if you're a person that likes to go for long walks, that is expressing yourself because you're in your head thinking hopefully about different things because usually walks clear your mind. Yep. If you're a journaler, get that out. There's techniques I give people about how to get rid of their thought process. Um, if you're a person who unfortunately has an organic issue that has like a psychotic process going on, that's a little bit different because usually medication is really needed and those are harder techniques to use, which is why I don't do a lot of work with people with organic issues because it's so specific and yeah. they really need someone who is psychiatrist much more intense yeah. about the treatment because it has to be medicated. Yeah. Um, like schizophrenia, bipolar that's really severe, um, OCD that has kind of roots that don't let go, um, sociopathic tendencies, those kinds of things. Um, but getting it out is a huge piece of spiritual wellness is finding a way to release it. Now, is that a hobby? Is that knitting, <laughs> bowling, um, going to Ironstone farm or finding a local farm that you can go to and, and help muck a stall or ride a horse? Cause all the, all of the places around for the most part around the country are now having, um, therapeutic writing programs or therapeutic programs for people to come in that just want to have peace and find their, mm -hmm. their spiritual wellness through communing and connecting with a horse because they are very um, contact um, interpersonal beings and they're sentient beings to mm -hmm. help you. Um, that's a great way to do it or volunteering and doing something interpersonal. So those bring those pieces of spiritual wellness together because one, they create deeper thought, deeper fulfillment, and they, give you a filling up of the spiritual core right yep um looking for snowy owls you what looking for snowy owls yeah fishing looking for snowy owls are they back <laughs> no i they don't think so be. not yet I november don't... okay i, I was know. thinking about them yesterday because i was flying home and i was i saw a whole bunch of bald eagles yesterday i haven't got calls like, from them so i don't know if they're back time. yet i haven't seen any uh, owl jams so well this is the time that they're migrating in here. yeah so I'm hoping by the end of November. But those those are small moments, those times you get on a walk, you go look <laughs> for a snowy owl, you take your dog for a walk, whatever you're doing, those are the moments where you feel good. And I'm telling you, those moments are moments when you're disconnected, when you're right, when you're in the moment. Right. And just that's doing what you that. And that's what you think about in those happy times. Like yeah. if like I'm out yesterday just walking around before I left yesterday to just soak in the last bit of like that beach to get a few shells to you know, because I'm coming back to 29 degrees. <laughs> so it's spiritually connected. It was like, nice oh, while you that were was gone. Really beautiful. It was very nice while you were gone. So. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. Well, it's going to be nice this week, too. So <laughs> yeah. I know. Um, the other thing, too, uh, I was going to throw in there. So uh, so a couple more things. So um, I'm going to I'm going to save two of them for like a side. But so thinking productively. Thinking productively also helps spiritual wellness because, and that's not thinking positively. People will say think positively and you've heard me say, just do it. doesn't really work because you have to believe in it. So it's about thinking productively. And so um, once you start viewing things in your life as a productive, that you've been productive or that you're going to be productive, or if you have a plan, life is very different neurologically because it changes the chemicals in your brain from something other than, well, 
I'm positive and so yay, I can just do it. Like you have to be your own cheerleader sometimes and have other people cheerlead for you, but you really have to have a productive mm -hmm. thought process so that you can um, find yourself thinking differently, changing your narrative, refocusing your mind to something more forward moving that isn't stuck. Um, and when you eliminate the negativity and reframe how you think of things, um, you'll notice that you're going to be more grounded and more solid. And when you get like a sense of yourself and basically it's when you're not sacrificing your integrity or giving into fear of something external, that's either real imagined or whatever. Right. Um, but it's not now, paralyzing you. This right, is, this and, is the baby steps approach. Right. Yeah. Right. Small, small accomplishments turn your mind, your mind around. We have, we have guests, yeah. <laughs> whoever's coming in. Um, so two of the ways that I've talked about before about how to do that, um, you know, we've talked about yoga. Not everyone's for yoga. But the one one piece about yoga is that yoga doesn't have to be, you know, you go to this place and you lay down on the mat and you do all these poses, whatever. I'm talking yoga just as in sitting and doing the calm app, for instance. And, mm. you know, the Calm app is a great app for people to just to sit. You can sit on a couch. You can sit on a floor. You can sit on your back deck and or in bed and do five minutes of just relaxation. Yoga can also come in the form of doing things physically. Because if you're physically minded, you don't just stand. Even doing two poses for five minutes of just standing in place and listening to someone say and breathe in and breathe out. And it's not about taking breaths. It's really just about centering yourself. Yeah. So. And that's only for some people. I know a lot of people don't like doing that, but that's one way of finding your spiritual core because that actually has the foundation of wise mind. And wise mind is a concept from dialectical behavior therapy, which is one of the therapies that we use with many different types of diagnoses. But when you find your wise mind and you're being productive and you're looking for your deeper meaning and you're doing your spiritual core work, if you sit with yourself, and you're comfortable with it, even though it's uncomfortable, but it gets better, you get better. Yep. Right. So if you're able to sit with your shit and the uncomfortability of it, it gets better. And then that builds over time. So that's why I say yoga. And I use that term just because over it's an overarching umbrella. Yeah. Um, and then the other piece that I throw in is travel. Now, travel doesn't have to be going like I do and travel, travel, but travel meaning go to a new spot. I have a client that I tell find a new spot every week locally to go to mm -hmm. get a new view do something different that you're not used to this person loves going to the beach so i'm like okay go to the beach and find a new beach or go to the beach that you like and then do something different notice something new about it um or make a trip you know travel can be yep. also plan a trip down the line that you would like to take because that's what that does is it's a recharge travel when it's not work <laughs> Like yeah. me, yeah, and you're going out and actually traveling for spiritual core building. Um, what it does is it it calms your mind and it gives you a place where you can keep out all the distractions of all the other stuff that's been going on, like when we're sitting here. Um, and then when you're on a trip, you can do all kinds of different things. And you know, if you you know, there's places like Kripalu, you know, out in Western Mass, or you can go out to the one in Canyon Ranch if you are so inclined out west, um, Utah. Utah? I think it's in Utah mm -hmm. uh, or Colorado. But, you know, it's where you can go and you can do all these things to build your spiritual wellness. And if you don't have those things, you can hike to the top of a small little mountain that's local and go up an access road and and bring your lunch and 
like and do something that that's travel so yep. travel doesn't have to be that you have to go to like greece and italy and spain and switzerland and tampa or <laughs> california it's just about doing something that gives you that sense of um an activity that takes your mind out of this of the locale that you're in now there's no geographic fixes therapeutically but geographic change and latitude change often changes attitude so the latitude change will change your attitude doesn't mean you're not going to come back to some issue but it still means that the attitude is at least in that moment moved and maneuvered around so that you're not sitting with the angst and the other stuff now people do bring that with them but the whole goal would be to in this list that i've just given of spiritual wellness like trying to get that all connected together yep just now and as you keep doing that more and more you build that spiritual muscle and you get better at it and you can do it on demand and you can do it for a longer period of time right you know people think about meditation i gotta sit in a room for an hour and not think of anything that's not what it's about it's about getting out of your getting out of everything that's around you getting out of the noise for three minutes Right. And in focusing, when people do that, I always say, focus on something you want to focus on. It's not about emptying your mind. There is no, there is no blank mind. There is no clear your mind. It's what do you want to meditate on? What is your intention for the day? Is it to, is it to keep yourself calm? So you're going to sit for three minutes and just be about, I'm going to keep myself calm. I'm going to be talking to myself about being calm today. I'm going to try not to get upset today. So you're talking to yourself in that narrative form. So you're thinking productively and talking to yourself in that narrative as opposed to fighting. Oh God, I'm not thinking. I'm thinking now I'm not supposed to be thinking. Yep. And then you're just getting yeah, stressed out. That's, exactly. And that's what people, that's why people don't like doing meditation because most people that are, are novel you know, novices at it, they, that's what they do. And then it's they just give another up failure. Go, it doesn't work for me. It's just another failure. And you can't, right. you can't let your mind go blank. That's not the way it works. Right. Yeah. Take the dog, go for a walk. Well, if you have a dog, if you don't have minutes, a dog, then take somebody else's dog, go for a walk. Cat. I took the cat to the vet this morning for his, his, oh. his nail clipping and his, Oh God. Yeah. He did his bean, got his nail clipping this morning. <laughs> he was very well behaved. And then he swatted at her once. Oh, yeah, well. but he was still and and he weighed in at a 17 and three quarter pounds and she said oh good he, he gained three pounds from last year God. and then she d- didn't fat shame him because i beat her to the punch okay and i said listen i know he's heavy <laughs> we're working on it <laughs> um it's because he's unmotivated Yes. He lacks, he procrastinates yes. going back to the show before. So really quickly, cause I am going to wrap up the show soon, but not yet. But um, in the talking of spiritual wellness, there's a couple things. One, everyone's now the day over the day after hangover of the politics, but now we're ramping up for two years from now. <laughs> so, <laughs> so spiritual wellness is really important here because um it's plaguing everybody. The commercials are on. Now we're going to switch over to new commercials for all new things. So finding that you turn off social media, you turn off the TV, don't watch it as much. Um, And this is the question that's been coming up this year. And I always start talking about the holidays. Make rules for if you are not politically affiliated together in family (laughs) that have same party values and thoughts and core beliefs, right? Your spiritual wellness is going to get challenged, especially around especially around this particular type of election that's coming in two years, right? Yep. It's just coming. Um, so myself and other psychologists, and you can see this on, on your Reuters feed, if you go out there and watch um, from this past week, um, most of us agree that make rules for your dinner table and your holidays is that um, no politic talk, um, you know, 
try to limit back TV time if that's going to be on in the background. If you're watching football and stuff, that's great. Or you're watching the Hallmark Channel, that's great. But really limiting or completely saying no conversations about that. And if there is, it's going to be respectful because we're not ruining dinner. Because that is one topic that will ruin and kill dinner. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, and yeah. it's not healthy. And so your spiritual wellness is going to get challenged because if you're one party and they're another, and then we start talking about, well, this and that and who, and they, oh, now it's, now dinner's ruined. And this is part of the reason why people don't like to get together for holidays. Yep. And here we are approaching Thanksgiving in two weeks Yep. and it's oh, going wow. to be on the two table, weeks. literally. Yeah. And so instead of worrying about the house and the Senate and who didn't win and who, you know what? In two years, you can rewrite again. Yep. And if you didn't like who won this time, well, you got another chance another time. Mm -hmm. And move forward. But see, that's exactly, that's taking control over your reaction to the issue. Right. And even with social media, sometimes I've changed my approach to it because I can do social media now, but I don't get engaged in stuff. In other words, someone says something that I think is stupid. I don't have to reply to them. I don't have right. to. I don't have to twirl on it all day. It's just like, right. okay, right, and just go on, exactly, and look for a good meme. Exactly. <laughs> so anyway, so next week's show currently is going to be talking about we. I'm going to do my Thanksgiving lead up to talk about healthy things to do for Thanksgiving, healthy things to activities, healthy foods, healthy things to make your your mind and your body work well together so that your spiritual wellness can come all together, right? Now that we're moving along and and also um, and talking about those experiences. I'm also working on getting a couple guests. Excellent. So I'm not sure yet, but before the end of the year, hopefully. I won't announce that yet because I haven't confirmed them. Um, but anyway, for everybody that was listening today, thank you so much. And and go out there and try to be grounded and well um well grounded and well rounded in your spiritual wellness and um and think deeper things and thoughts i'll see you guys next week